podcast today is about uh, NFTs, digital yeah. art. I'm curious to know um, how your journey started and all the tips you have for young entrepreneurs, creatives, uh, how to get started and uh, tell me about your your introduction to the digital art world. Sure, no problem. So I was already introduced to the digital art world because I had originally studied um, the arts, like fine arts, uh, working with my hands, and I decided to take on a career in graphic design. So I was already working with uh, digital digital arts, yeah. like logos, editorial advertisement. It was more towards the commercial side. Okay. And uh, I mean, that was very normal because at the end of the day, everyone has a business, anyone can create a brand, and they all need to promote their brand. So you had that uh, that entrepreneurial dream in you, like like promoting yourself as a, as a designer? I would say it's necessary for, especially I've been freelance for maybe close to five years now, you need to promote yourself. Because at the end of the day, even though it's a small island, no one's going to know what you're doing. You need to, it's like the product should be marketable as well. Okay. If you create something, you should share what you created. Be it the process, or, or the experience, or the idea. You need to show people what you're capable of. And then you learned this at university, at school, or so, or you developed it yourself. I'm curious to know the, the epiphany of, of that, because I get I know a lot of artists, creative people, video makers that have a huge talent, but sometimes they, they just don't know how to promote themselves, or they don't consider themselves as a creative entrepreneurs, which I think you do, and. Um, and instead, they, they are they remain in their realm of creativity and arts, but not necessarily like in the com- entering the commercial, which at the end of the day will expand as well the creative. Mm, yes, I know it's true. There are a bit of I would say there there's a mix of artists who are comfortable sharing what they're doing, and there are the artists who are a bit maybe too attached or maybe a bit shy. Mm-hmm. I can understand because I was a bit of both, and I went through both of them. But going back to school, I actually went to MCAST and. I just think it's an amazing school. It changed the way I see everything. I mean, I still remember when I went into MCAST, they asked, they had, they don't give you tests, they have assignments. Okay. And these assignments basically they give you a document of what you need to do. It's pretty much like today, yeah. the client. They give you the things that you need to create for them, mm-hmm. the timeline and all these things. But they're very practical. In fact, it's all assignments. I still remember the first time I handed my assignment, I handed them to her. To, to the teacher, written down on a piece of paper, and she told me, what, what's this? Like, she's like, no, you, you do them on the computer, and you them on the computer. I was like, what? It was completely different for me, coming back from primary and secondary school to yeah. going to MCAS, it was very different. But what I love about MCAS is they taught us how to be hands-on. Okay. They taught us how to take initiative. Although the, the assignment would ask for something, I learned that over time to make it interesting for me, I, I tried to kill two birds with one stone. So I would say, okay, it's asking for us to create, I'm going to give an example, an advertisement about uh, a car, for example. Mm-hmm. How can I make it fun for me? Maybe there, at that time, since I was a student, let's say, I really like this style, but I don't know how to do it. Maybe I can learn how to learn the style or, or learn how to use the software. So I would satisfy the brief, but I would also be very happy. Yeah. And I would be enthusiastic, I'd be like, look what I made, I made the software. And that that started like a, a bit of I would say self-confidence in me in the sense that creativity and art builds a lot of self-confidence because you start thinking like what I think I can make. 
that indeed like uh, it's like developing your own authenticity, like getting the job done, but developing your own authenticity in there, learning uh, the skills to do that. And I guess it's it's empowering. I guess it's empowering. Of course, very empowering. And uh, so I had started learning um, tangible arts, so working with my hands, working in stone, clay. And as I as I mentioned, I decided to go for graphic design. Mm -hmm. And there was a very there was a very big shift in in uh, mindset and and in context because fine arts and working with your hands is appreciated for skill and labor. The value is there. Skill and labor. I this took me ten hours to make. Yeah. Or I made this in bronze. Oh, bronze. Bronze is a valuable material. And then graphic design is the complete opposite. Yeah. If you spend ten thousand hours. No one's gonna see it, they're not gonna say, whoa, this post at 10,000 hours, bro. No. All it matters is the final result, the. What matters in graphic design is communication. Mm. So it doesn't need to have a lot of time in it. It needs to just look simple and it needs to get the message across. So when I switched from, from one side to the other, I was like, this is complete, like, opposite. Yeah. Split yeah. upside down. But I guess it pushed you indeed more maybe in that mindset of being more productive perhaps and, yes, uh, and yes, starting thinking uh, okay but now now that my time is being best in the in this projects to communicate i have to actually uh, develop as well the commercial side of it of course of course but from that i started taking more interest in in psychology for example like why things sell mm -hmm. or for example the the colors anything that's associated the psychology with, of marketing the psychology of marketing the psychology of design as well right so I I started finding it very interesting and as well the psychology behind what the client expects because then you have to understand that it's not just your opinion it's also the input as well of the person you are creating it for absolutely absolutely and and as well I guess the the clients and, and the clients clients because if you are the if yes. Right. If, if there's a long trail, a long hierarchy, it's even harder. It's always good to go to the source. And always, one thing that I've learned is to ask retrospective questions. Like, for example, why do you wish to do this? Mm -hmm. What is the goal that you wish to, to achieve? Because the problem with, with the commercial work is sometimes brands can be influenced by their competitors. Mm -hmm. And they might say, ah, um, competitor X is doing this campaign about let's stick with cars again. Mm -hmm. So they will want to do it also. And then you ask, but they say, what is the outcome that you want? Exactly. And then you find out, okay, that isn't the right direction to take. Maybe what if we try this? So you, you would say that learning the psychology of the of the clients and, and the customer journey in a way as well will help you understand how to develop the brands and, exactly. and communicate with the, with the client. I think that's a, that's a very good point. Um, I also mention a lot the fact that um, with my agency, when, when we do make some advertising online or create websites or so on, we say, wait a second, but let, let's stop with the clients first. Because it happens, and it happened to me as well, that you create something so good, so useful, but at the end of the day, that's not what the yeah. client wanted. Exactly. Even though he, he, he or she told the, the directly, because maybe they, they, not all entrepreneurs that might come to you and, and ask you for a project or, or some work might be able to communicate what they really need. So yeah, I think that asking, like you said, asking the right questions in advance will save a lot of time. And um, yeah, I guess that's, that's part of the psychology of marketing. I like that, I like that. So that slowly, slowly led to, 
I loved it. I loved it for, for a very good point. And uh, I started realizing that it's, it's great to satisfy clients and help their brands grow. But then I started realizing that work, work, work was making me feel a bit empty. In the sense that I was creating stuff, helping everyone else, but I didn't have time for myself. Right. So I started dedicating time to drawing. I love cartoons. I've yeah. always loved them as a kid, and I just drew cartoons. So I started drawing these cartoons, and they fed my soul, literally. They made me feel happy, they made me feel energized. Yeah. And I tried to balance a bit of both. And now, slowly, slowly, the scales are going higher and higher towards you know, my, my personal projects. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that as well, the fact, but I guess the fact that you were working commercially before helped you oh, maybe develop, sure. develop that. Sure. Right, right. And uh, yeah, man, like when you said that, I started like um, thinking of, of your Instagram feed, which is full of images of, of cartoons, but I haven't seen a Dragon Ball one. Or you have? I have, I have. You have? I okay. have Vegeta, I have uh, Goku. No way. Yeah. Okay, I will check that out. There's a few where you need to scroll, Giovanni. Uh, like, <laughs> I guess so, yeah. How many do you have right now? Exactly, that's good. I've question. been doing a drawing a day for a year and three months, non-stop. I didn't miss a day. A year and three months, so it's like 369. 15, 15 months, so that is 260, 4, 30, 30, 30, 360, yeah. 9. Mathematics sales. It's around <laughs> 400 <laughs> drawings plus, maybe. More than 400 drawings, wow. Okay, non-stop. Well, I guess that cartoons are a never-ending source of inspiration. For sure, for sure. But how, how do you keep that consistency? Like, I'm, I'm curious to know what what keeps you so disciplined and uh, what, what if you have to say one thing that really helps me always keep going with what I'm doing and, uh, and creating consistency. Because I think that's, that's a great, great thing to, to share with, with artists that might have you know when they say I have the artist block. Or... I can I can tell you a lot of things that I learned from drawing daily, but the one thing that I would say for sure to, to highlight it is, in in the context of being an artist, what's more important, the artwork or the artist? And you ask yourself the question. No, that's one thing that I've learned because before when I was more focused on the art, I would feel like. I put a lot of energy and effort into the art, mm -hmm. and I feel like a lot of artists do this. And and for example, if it would get criticism or it would get judged, I would feel like I am part of it. But what I've learned is right. it's not the case. So so you detach yourself, like thinking exactly. what I'm creating is what I'm creating. It doesn't exactly. has it doesn't have to be who I am necessarily. So so you you create this. Uh, this, this alter ego in a way, where you say, this is part of my work, but I also do other stuff and, uh, and I can do them on, on my own or with other type of styles or, or approaches. It's a habit, that, mm -hmm. that's basically it. So, so for me, what I've learned is, I used to have this problem that I used to say, I need to create this amazing artwork, and I used to never fill my expectations, maybe because of the influences that I had and all this. So I, I said, I'm going to draw one hour every single day, not more. And whether it's good or bad, I would just share it. So I draw and I share. And it taught me a lot. It taught me how to not worry about the outcome and just share it. If it's good or bad, it doesn't matter. Because tomorrow I want to show up again and do another drawing. If that's good or bad, it doesn't matter. But what is crazy, over the span of a year, three months, I feel like I've learned a lot. I've learned style. I've learned, uh, I've explored different, different mediums. I feel like I've really grown as a person. Even if you see the first drawing to the one today, 
Yeah. You can see, I at least I can see a big progress. Wow, wow. Yeah, and I and I guess that uh, that's empowering as well from your point of view because you get to see how you are evolving in 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 your style. Probably it, it, it's consistent, which we can say that it's it's your style for sure. But maybe like the way the technique that you're using, the the way you are getting there, it's probably like easier. The, the more you the more you draw, the, every day you get you get to see yourself improving in of something course. you already know you you can do as well. I think that's great, absolutely. It builds that process that that was always that is always a problem with artists. Even among these these groups of artists, these communities, they always tend to bring it up like I need to find a style first. It does make sense. You do need to find something that distinguishes you and makes you stand out. But it doesn't need to be a style only. It can be it can be style, it can be a voice. Maybe you're you're very strong about uh, empowering women, give an example. Or it could also be that basically you can even have a mix of both. You, you mean like having a message? Having a message, having, having a, a brand as well. Exactly, yeah, yeah. For, cause, cause artists, as artists, we want to stand out, we want to create art that, that is meaningful, that people can actually resonate with. So like a mission you would say, like that you say, okay, I'm, I'm creating all of these things because I want to communicate something uh, from, that, from, from myself to the world and this is my medium to do that. It doesn't need to always communicate something, mm -hmm. the context can always change. But, but for an artist to stand out and look unique, they always think that they need a style, but it doesn't need to be a style, it can be, it can be as well voice, it can be other things as well. But, but going on to that, what helped me a lot is drawing every day, I taste, you know like food, yeah. you try food, mm -hmm. you don't know, you cannot say I don't like that food, right. you have to try it and you say I like this. So being very practical about it and just and just give it a try. Exactly. And when you try and you do something, you say, yeah, I like this, I like this, I like this, what do I put them together? Then you have something new. Speaking of something new, I'm I'm I'm, I'm seeing the timeline here. You're you're creating all of this um, all of this digital arts based on cartoons. I've seen a lot some GIFs as well. Um, so animated animated yeah. the digital art too. But let's get to NFTs because this is the hot topic, and uh, and I want to know where and when NFTs entered like your your digital art world. Because sure, sure, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, quite a a weird, not a weird story, but I'm, I'm happy I acted early. Uh, my a friend of mine who is, you would say, a bit of a, an enthusiast in crypto, mm -hmm. sent me a, an article once, and I remember I was out and I just read the header and I'm like, what what, what are these NFTs? In my head I was thinking artificial art, like mm -hmm. uh, that you plug to a computer. And I, I thought to him, like, listen, I'm out, I'll, I'll come over tomorrow, maybe I'll explain it to me. And he sat me down and he explained it to me. And uh, I still remember, I was like, that's amazing, because I was like, you're telling me now digital art can be appreciated. Because going back to that story, yeah. fine art is appreciated because it's tangible. Because mm -hmm. you can, they used maybe um, resources like bronze, gold, and all these things. These things are worth, they have a value. But a JPEG, well, it doesn't have a value because I can send it to you on WhatsApp, you can send it to your friend on WhatsApp. It can be copied, there's no trace. But then when he explained to me about blockchain and what they're doing with these JPEGs, I was blown away. I told him so. So now there is scarcity because although I can send you a JPEG, Giovanni, you can't prove that you own it. 
Exactly. Yeah. So that's where that's when the blockchain enters in, and that's where it enters in. And I was like, okay, so this is interesting, but it was a very big learning curve for me because last year, um, at least how he explained it to me, is is taking me through the process of of learning how to to convert your your uh, your currency into uh, the, the blockchain currency, which is Ethereum, mm -hmm. and then setting up a wallet, yeah. a decentralized wallet. And I was like, this is so hard, man. Like, how am I going to learn all this? He told me, Zach. Told me like listen, told me this is going to be normal in the future. Told me just learn how to, to deal with it. It's something new. Yeah. Tell me, tell me. It was, he explained it like this. He told me it's like your grandmother mm -hmm. is trying to learn how to use a, a, a visa card or something like that. I'm like, oh, okay, it makes sense. Yeah. Well, I was gonna tell you that it's. I've set up the the MetaMask as well, right? The, it's basically this this wallet on on your browser to exactly. to purchase the the artwork from OpenSea or or other other platforms. Maybe we, we can get more in detail. Yeah. Bit. But what I what I realized was that there is there was like like a sort of friction in in even in myself, which I'm very knowledgeable of technology in general. Not exactly blockchain, but when it comes to setting up. An account or something, I would say, okay, let's let's register, let's see some videos online, some some tutorials, and let's do it. But I realized that because there is so much noise and yeah. confusion as well in terms of whether they're good, they're bad, or whether there's going to be the future or not, that created that friction. Said, oh, but I need to install the MetaMask, I have to install the wallet. But then actually, when I made the decision, I said. That's it. I have to go and buy and see for myself. I said, but that was not that difficult. No. no. Over time, it became easier and easier. The way I had to do it is I had to send, like I had to send like euro to. I, I forgot what the account was called back then. Um, to like three different accounts. Yeah, just just to convert it to 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 put it in Ethereum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think at that time maybe there wasn't uh, Coinbase still. Or what? I think there might have been. Yes, there was. I think I had used Coinbase and then there's Coinbase Pro. I don't use them today. Mm -hmm. But it was a big, I'm like, even he was explaining like the, the address. I was like, how am I going to remember all this? And then you yeah. had to do the two factor as well. Yes, writing the, your words like, like, I don't know if you. Yeah, the seed phrase, of course. Yeah, so. There is definitely like something that you have to keep in mind in of a way, course. and probably like invest a couple of hours in there. Maybe daily would be like the, the perfect formula. But uh, but yeah, like tell me about what are the suggestions that you would give like to someone who, who would want to start and and why. If you're planning to start in NFTs, understand that right now you have a golden opportunity. To create work that you love and not be told to do it. So if you're gonna get into NFTs, do the work that you enjoy doing. And secondly, money will come and go, so don't see the money. Try and build community, try and see how you can add value. Okay, you're gonna create your art, but how can it be even more valuable to other people? What can you offer them? And there comes utility in place. Utility is one of them. There are other things, even even for example, I since I've been in the space for a year, before it was just literally people just buying the JPEGs, just buying the NFTs. That's it. But then over time, they started. Everyone wants to stand out, mm -hmm. you know. When there's a, then when lots of people come in and there's a lot of noise, they need to try and stand out. So they started offering: if you buy my NFT, you get a tangible painting. 
Mm-hmm. Ah, okay, let's add the value for me. I'll do that. I'll give you an example. If you buy my NFT, this is a utility events token, for example, you can mm-hmm. come to my conference. Right. So it, it makes much more sense. If you buy this NFT, you have a lifelong discount on my store. Then it, it just makes much more sense. Like you're buying literally assets. These are digital assets. What is the, the, the barrier entry there? The entry barrier there financially or the technology maybe we mentioned it. You I guess that any artist can just go on YouTube and, and see all of those uh, tutorials how to do that. But is there I guess that yes, there is a financial opportunity, like you say, but it's more the fact that you create community. So, what are the, the entry barriers there? Like, how, how long time you have to invest? Perhaps, what are the, the main challenges that, that you face? It. Tell, talk to me about that. So, financing is, I would say, it is costly. So, although you hear these stories of people making good money, it's it's very pricey as well. It depends what kind of um, network you use. The most popular is Ethereum. Mm-hmm. And Ethereum is seen as the, the premium platform. If you draw a project on Ethereum, they would value it much better than if it's drawn on some other network. There are networks that are, that are counteracting it, like there's Tezos network, mm-hmm. uh, where basically there are cheaper fees. There is Solana, which is very popular as well. But just to give an idea, Whenever you upload an artwork, it's called minting, mm-hmm. you need to pay a fee. Mm-hmm. And you need to pay in the cryptocurrency, Ethereum. You have to understand that anytime an action is done, it has to be registered on the ledger, on the blockchain. Right. And every time it's like a fee that you have to pay, which is, then comes the gas fee. Exactly. Okay. The gas will be a little later. But think about it, like the blockchain, you could say, is almost like an accountant. Is there it's writing down, down things on the ledger. Mm-hmm. So every time it passes hands, like Giovanni just bought Zach's artwork, the accountant writes it. So it's, it's basically like that. But every time there is a note done on the ledger, it has to be paid for. And that is paid through gas. Okay. Now gas, there are ways how you pay it or the person pays it. So for example, if Giovanni puts up an artwork, mm-hmm. Money would have to pay the minting fee to upload it, which is what registers the, the JPEG into yes. a specific code that says this JPEG is associated with this code. Exactly. So whoever purchased purchase the, the JPEG, but, but mostly he's purchasing the, the code saying this is mine. Exactly. That proves your, your, it, it's, your, it's a, your property in a way. Your property, it's a certificate. It's flat on the blockchain. But then, for example, let's say I decide to buy your artwork. It depends. Are you going to do it for a fixed price or are you going to do an auction? Mm-hmm. The difference between the two is if it's a fixed price, that is the price that you're going to sell it. If I choose to buy it, I pay the gas. Right. If you do an auction, the power is in your hands because if people bid, five people bid, okay, you are choosing who you want to give the sale to. And obviously it would be the highest one. Right. But since you have the power to choose, you pay the gas. Mm-hmm. So sense. who has the decision would have to pay the gas. So what about your project? Because this is very much, the, I love all of this introduction in, in general saying uh, how, how it works and, uh, and how maybe other artists can relate as well. But how does it interact with your project? Tell me, tell me a bit like how this has been played with yours. Like uh, what, what's your experience with it? 
with NFTs in general or the project Cacti Crew? The, the Cacti Crew for sure. Okay. Uh, like, talk to me about Cacti Crew, yeah. So, since I've been in the space and collaborating with a few artists, I've loved, I've loved the relationships that I've been building and the amazing people I've met. But I kept on saying like, okay, I've been collaborating with all these amazing people. I think it's about time that I come up with something. Mm -hmm. And I was very, very lucky that uh, I got some support from Arts ID and Tecmota. And uh, they gave me a very small grant where they would help me with the fees to actually distribute the cacti crew. Mm -hmm. Which is basically a collection of these cacti, who is a character that I can draw every single day, called Beppe. Mm -hmm. And uh, each one is Pepe in a very different style. And the idea is to create this community of these cacti, and with them over time, I will add some utility in the sense of free airdrops, free mm -hmm. NFTs, mm -hmm. small merchandise as well. Right, right. It will continue to grow, even digital assets, and these things. These mm -hmm. will always grow according to what's available in the time, as it's a growing space. But um, these cacti, I mean, I decided to stop doing my dailies and start doing my daily drops in the sense that I will stop doing these cartoons drawn every single day and start drawing a cacti a day. Right, right, right. So the collection will be capped to 365. This is a very, very big commitment for me, I'm going to be very honest. But I, I really wish to pursue it. Whether it works or it doesn't, I'm still going to try and approach it. That's also nice. So it's, it's also a very, very big fee of to post an artwork every single day for 265 days. So basically you are continuing with the challenge you had with yourself, with the, with your characters, the cartoon characters, and, and passing it on the, the cacti. Exactly, exactly. Right. But that, that, that's, that's like the, the evolution of, of a process that you built. Probably, who knows, if you didn't create that process of the, the cartoons, which at the moment maybe had no no interest in NFTs or commercial on the spot in that case. Yeah, true. You you set the basis basically for, for now creating all of these artworks. I completely agree. In fact, I actually started getting into NFTs and, and building good relationships through these daily drawings. Because there was a point where I started drawing Beppe in the world of different artists. And this is how I feel like I found, I'm not going to say a style, but I found a direction that I really like exploring. So when I started drawing Beppe, I said, okay, this is what I love about the daily drawings. It's really good to commit to yourself. Mm -hmm. You say, okay, the next 30 drawings are going to be in this team. When you have a sense of direction, yeah. it yeah. really helps. So I said, I'm going to start drawing Pepe in the world of different artists. The reason being, I want to explore different styles. And I started drawing, giving all these artists that I love and I follow, and good things came out about it because they actually got in touch, they reached out. I even had a case. I'm mentioning it because I've seen a lot of things. I had a case where one even was in touch with me and telling me to remove a drawing because it's it's falling against copyright. And what? Falling against copyright. So I'm like, listen, you cannot use my character, this is copyright infringement. And and I understand copyright and I told him like this, I'm not saying this. I told him this is this is my way of showing this, this was one of the cartoons or the cactus? No, no, this is this is a cactus. I'm not gonna mention the name. Okay. But I I I, I But just, I wanna see it. You show I, it. I, I, it's okay. not that I have to remove it. Alright. I have to remove it out of respect to him, but I lost all my respect towards him. I'm gonna be honest. So I created so the cacti went in the world of this artist and he contacted me on my website, he contacted me on my Instagram, and I told him Bro, like I'm just showing appreciation towards you. I'm not 
selling these or anything. And uh, he told me, like, really good, I just told you, please remove it. Right. I sent him a voice clip, apologizing, and telling him I admire him so much. Yeah. He didn't want to hear anything, so I told him, no problem. I don't want any hassle, I remove it. But I know, by law, if I'm not selling it, I should be fine. Right. But also, it's fan art. I told him, please send your fans as well. It's crazy. But, but indeed, like, in the world of, uh, of Instagram and memes and... Uh, and Everything that goes around TikToks, like who owns what, I think that's that's a great starting point to actually show the validity of of NFTs and blockchain itself, because it's a it's a way to prove the the ownership of artworks and media content in general as well. Yeah, of course. So as I was mentioning, I had that. That was the only hiccup I ever came across throughout these daily drawings, and I also had a lot of good as well. These artists that I looked up to, we started speaking. They, they you could say, they became friends of mine. I, I can't even believe till today the artists that I used to look up to before this happened became friends with me. I became friends with them, and I started getting into proper sales and NFTs because I ran out of people to draw, and I moved to Twitter, and I'm like, let me just draw these artists on Twitter. Their their work is amazing, and they approached me this way. They're like, oh my god, I love your art, Zach. But I went to put this up together as an NFT and I was like, what? You see this? Yeah. But it's amazing. I just kept on leading to more positive feedback and it encouraged me. Because when you create art, when you put art out into the world and you don't get a response, you can lose that momentum. But you build it because you, you were posting content a lot. And, exactly. and I think that's the power of social media today. That of course. Of course. Which is... Which is on the other hand, powerless if you don't if you're not consistent in, in creating that content, in putting it out there. And also like maybe trying to avoid the, the fear of, of being rejected or saying or having like negative comments or something. Just putting it out there and somehow proactively being patient that it will be seen by the people that will support you and the, of course, and, and of say course. keep going, keep keep creating like and, and that's the reason, I think it's it's always good, like at least I'm speaking from one side, it's always good to look back at what you made, what worked and what didn't work, and now it's come to the point where I said, how can I be a bit more efficient with these daily drawings? And I thought the best way is to actually make them the cacti crew and make the next year these NFTs. Right, right, right. So. Let, let's get into you have you have one uh, one launch very soon. Yes, first of March. Talk to me about it. It's it's actually being moved because of the situation. All right, seventh of March. Seventh of March is the date. Make sure you. I'm, I'm speaking to the audience. Make sure you check it out. Um, I want to know like what is the vision for that? Because obviously, like there is a Discord, there is a community you're yes. building. Yes, yes. Um, but Tell me, tell me more about the vision you have about it. Like, what, what is your, your final mission or goal with it? My final mission from my end is to develop something that I can give additional value. So besides doing these drawings and people who appreciate the art, I can give additional value. I can filter, for example, the people who just like the work to the people who really love the work. And I can reward those people. I can reward them with merchandise, with free NFTs, they can also make sales from the NFTs, so I want to add value to them. People who like my art and love my art, I want them 
to be the people that, that I dedicate my life to. And besides that, from my end, I want to grow my skills as an artist and I want to keep on developing. Even the funding, I will reinvest into more better art. Collaborating with artists as well. It, I mean, I love art and I'm not going to stop. This is my life. So, I want to improve myself. Awesome, awesome, man. Speaking of funding, I'm wondering whether you actually need a, a developer with you or if it, is it something that you are developing yourself? Like, I'm talking about the actual yes. process of managing the, the community on Discord and uploading the artworks on, the, uh, on OpenSea or the other platforms. And also, I want to ask you, because I am obviously, you know, I'm part of your, your Discord. And I entered the other day and I noticed something new, like I'm, every time I'm entering like, like the Discord, either yours or another, another group, I'm like, okay, that's a new term, let me check it out. And it was the POIP. PFP. PFP. Yeah, exactly. No, the... the was it? Yes, PFP. Profile P picture. No, I think it was POAP. Ah, POAP, yes. Po okay, the POAP. Yeah. So I was like, okay, what's that? And then I went to, to read the acronym, which I don't remember now. But um, but I think that you gave like um, it was like some gifts. Like, yes, tell me about that. So the POAP is these are airports that I intend to give. Mm -hmm. The POAP is a proof of active participation. You can mm -hmm. give it when people go to an event. It's registered on the blockchain, and this is you could say a free NFT. Okay. That you don't pay gas for. Right. So I plan to give more of these to people who participate. Okay. So that poem that I was giving, did you manage to collect one? No, because I... will give you one. Alright, no, thanks. Appreciate so, that. So um, these NFTs I gave them to, to, to bring out the announcement that I'm creating this launch of the Cacti Crew mm -hmm. and that I've done over one year in daily drawings. Right, 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 right. It's like... Yeah, in this case, in, in more of the account, it is like uh, maybe uh, if we have to personalize the, or humanize in a way, like the blockchain, who would be the person in this case? Like the, the, the event manager saying, oh, this guy is doing really well, he's always showing up. So it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a continuous registry of, of, of activity, basically. It's, it's all proof that you own something, that you, like, you can prove that you went to this event, you know, or that you were part of this announcement. They're good things, they can also be used, the pops, what are great about them is they can be used in a raffle, so people who own it, Let's say I wish to give away a, a limited edition print or I wish to give away some, some sort of value to the community. Those who actually have the power are legible. I can put them in a raffle and the winner can be chosen. Makes sense, man. That, that it's, it's revolutionizing like, it's, it's like the whole marketplace for, for arts and digital arts. I have to ask you a question. For maybe um, an analog, artists or well, yeah. fine art artists do you think there is there's still an opening to to of do course. that like uh, like what would be the, the the first steps like are there some companies that are actually providing services like should they invest in or someone helping them or like what, what what's the route you would suggest to somebody that let's take for example like 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 a person saying uh, um, Mary, which is an artist uh, from London that only does fine arts and, uh, and paints with acrylics. Like, why and how should she get into NFTs? She can. The thing is, she can get into it very easily. The, the system, maybe it is a bit of a learning curve, as we mentioned before, but it's very easy to, to get into it. 
she doesn't, Mary doesn't necessarily need to create a replica digitally. Mm -hmm. she, can, she can go obviously to a professional service where they can scan it at a very high quality mm -hmm. and upload that. And she can say, hi, I'm Mary, I have this amazing artwork, which means a lot to me. If you purchase this, it comes along with the physical. Or maybe the other way around. Would you say that that, that would add value maybe to a potential buyer? Because if I if I would be like a fine artist, I would say, here's my here's my artwork which you're purchasing perhaps in a gallery and say, but this is the, the also give me your your wallet if you have yes like like your you have a digital version it can double as the certificate exactly so it's like a certificate that is yours and but but then like you would say. It, but it's like giving adding value because you, you might want to maybe sell the digital artwork but keep the the, the, the original. But, but then Giovanni, but then, it, then I don't know how that works. Yeah, exactly. That, that, I think that's a, that's a um, I, it's a gray area. I, I, I honestly don't know how that would work because if you're if the whole is worth a certain amount, although it was an additional value, mm -hmm. the real thing then that is the most valuable. It's not the actual art, it's the proof of owning it. Right, right. It's like if you buy a Rolex and you don't have the certificate. Because in this case, it is like what you are also giving, like a, like a, a physical product in there, a physical art, physical piece of art. Right, so that works better in, in, the, in the way you mentioned. You buy the NFT and then you also get the, the physical. But then if the person who sells it, then it's up to them to either send it or, or see how that's, that goes about. Because that's something I personally don't know. Mm, okay. Wow. Okay. We mentioned at the beginning um, Blender as, yes, a, yes, as yes. a software which I, I used to use as well. Um, I I did some courses and I have to say it's been like uh, I spend a couple of hours sometimes and then I don't and then I go I, I go back into the software and I spend maybe weeks and and I arrive to a level. And then I stop, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> and and then you, when you go back there, you you almost have to restart that little yeah, yeah. But I remember I had so much fun, like creating, because you can create like an entire world in there. Let, let's be honest, and it's a free, it's a free software with community, as we were mentioning. Tell me, tell me your experience about that, because and maybe like if if you. If you would have to speak with with some artists, some digital artists that maybe never entered the 3D world, um, how would they start and uh, and how this relates to the metaverse? Because we will we'll get there. I would say digital to, digital art in general today now is is quite is is changing the way it's being looked at. So learning 3D, yes, is a great thing because it has much more utility and benefit for the future than just creating into D. Why? Because you can enter the metaverse and create digital assets, wearables maybe. They have yet to come, but it's it, it can be more worth it. And I had gotten into 3D because I had a collaboration with uh, Narona and she was so nice. She was like one of the nicest people ever. I had done a design and I thought around thinking of learning 3D and she told me like this is take your time, learn 3D when you're ready, we'll, we'll share the work. She told me, but I want you to, to have that creative space. And it was mainly because of her that I learned 3D, because she gave me the, the chance to learn 3D, and I said, okay, I'm going to put my all into this. And because of that, I kept on 
playing with the Judy software, it's actually really, really easy once mm -hmm. you learn the tools. Yeah, yeah. Once you learn what something can do. Well, how long would you say that's long, the learning curve lasting? Like, how long do you have to, it took you, for example, to, to say, uh, now I can create something like with, with like practicality, like you enter there and you were like, you, you have something you measure and, and you start creating and you go like, yeah. I can tell you two cases. So she gave, I, I took around a month. Mm. to learn the 3D, to feel comfortable. And within a month, I provided her with the artwork, with collaboration. But there are two ways you can go about it. What I was doing is, where I didn't understand what, what something was, I, I would look it up. The first thing that I did is look up YouTube videos, like yeah, the majority does, but I look up really simple stuff, the most basic, like how to use the UI. What does this mean? What does that mm -hmm. mean? Because once I know the UI... Have you downloaded there is a cheat sheet with yes. all of the... Uh, okay, the I'll send it to you. Or you can just Google it. You learn them over time, but the shortcuts are... There is, I, have it, I have it printed. It's like you, you have all of the shortcuts there and, uh, and where things are. I think that that's a, that's a great tool like to have it in mind. Even what, what I found very impressive is the, the, the way your mind thinks when you learn a design software changes. So when I learned 3D, I was like, what? You're telling me everything is polygons and then you have to subdivide them so you create more mesh. It, it was, it, I couldn't understand it. But it's, yeah, it's mind-bending because it, it makes you, it makes you look at things in a different way. Yes, 100%. You look at things as shapes. You go like textures, oh, but look at that. Is that a texture <laughs> or is it actual material? And you go like, it happened to me when, when I experienced it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it shifts your mindset for, for sure. It's like it rewires your brain. Even, even for example, I love using Illustrator. I, I think in terms of shapes. Mm -hmm. If you look at something, I say, I can do this like this with 10 clicks, for example. Mm -hmm. But with Blender, I was like, whoa. So it was, it was a, a learning curve for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds great. So, and like, but the second, the second way to learn something, and it is the more fun way. Mm, so okay. this way of looking up videos when you have a problem can be boring. I want to be honest with you. You might say, I, I ran into a problem, I, I, I just want to sort it, you know what I mean? The best way to learn that I've learned is from my daily drawings, this is another lesson I learned. It is much better to go, I was, I'm using Procreate every single day. Yeah. I go on the software and I say, today I want to play. I want to find something that I don't know how to use and okay. just explore, and just explore yeah. a different brush, a filter. Uh, an effect, and then once you realize what you can do, then you start saying like, well, what do I do this? I guess this it's 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 more like in individual, like perhaps there is like, like the guy that uh, you give him the guitar and uh, and he starts like playing around and probably finds then the the other right there, like yeah, and and then another one that maybe needs the the full theory to look at everything and then starting. I think it's, it's yeah, you, you find it's like true. It, it depends on the person. Yeah. Like maybe the person is very structural and he wants to understand everything. Or maybe the person just wants to have fun. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But I felt like, honestly, to be honest with you, like even 3D, I was to change my approach to even maybe dedicate an hour every day just to play. Yeah. So, so you would say that exactly like one hour where they play as well. I think that you, you're saying two good points, which um, which makes sense when when you have a consistency saying like one hour a day like and you put yourself this goal it's it's much easier to say I'm gonna learn it and and especially with something new and creative like that because you you have no expectations in a way so you have like 
this this flow of creativity and you just go like yeah learning 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 so yeah man you create so you create the artworks and then you take the screenshots with that or no you export them as JPEG. you export them as, as jpeg okay i mean a screenshot yeah in, imagine <laughs> yeah. as if it's a screenshot and now it's a buzzword for, for yeah, this. Uh, we have to be careful. Like this. Say, uh, no, it's a, okay. It's a, like, it's a it's a it's a JPEG export. Makes sense. Um, but if in, in the, what what would be like the option for maybe a, a 3D artist that really or maybe an architect or an interior designer that that wants to build something like in the metaverse? Like, tell me about. Metaverse and, and possibilities I'm, there. I'm gonna be honest with you. I mostly know about NFTs, okay. so so it wouldn't be right for me to speak too much about Metaverse because I don't understand too much. But if you okay. want, I know two amazing people right. who can be next. We'll have them. We'll have them on Sean, the Lou, and yeah. Marina. Sean, I, I actually saw him on a Apache build. Uh, I don't know if it was yesterday or yeah. Well, uh, but he he is also a very cool guy. He was speaking at the. Um, at the event at yeah, the, Milan. Yeah, Milan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was there on Wednesday. Yeah. No, I mean, it's great to see that in Malta there is so much activity and uh, and I'm seeing it from the eyes, I, I've been here for one year, but I'm seeing it as well from the eyes of someone extremely new in Malta, um, which is like uh, is two guys that just moved here because of uh, financial helps in a way, like for their for taxes and so on. Uh, which is great, which they do e-commerce and and basically uh, I told them like come to this event uh, and they just loved it because the vibe was so good and people were, were talking about business and, and innovation which this you, you would say it's innovation and, and so they were like oh man this is completely different from anywhere in the world like from Budapest or Even from London too as well I can speak for myself. I can say that this the the space is really really different. You know, you know, with that here you actually see there is more um, proximity in a way yeah, yeah. where you actually get. For example, we, we I, I met you like uh, at the event at uh, uh, yeah. film film uh, awards. So you know, and from there you, you you build your connections, and I think it's great for anyone. Who comes in Malta that can do that? I think it's it's so accessible. Exactly. I think the, the right term is accessibility in a way, because um, there are low, lower barriers. People are more talkative. There is there is this want for connection for networking compared to London, where maybe people are more like really into their their own teams, their own like fast forward what they are building, very much focused. But I can't generalize that because I also had yeah. great, great opportunities and great networking uh, in there, collaborating with uh, with accelerators and building partnerships. So personally, I just prefer I prefer Malta because of the weather and so on. But uh, but yeah, I think it's um, it's a great space where where things are happening. I don't know London. I haven't been there for for a while now, so I can't say maybe. Maybe now everything is sold, or maybe now everything is open. Actually, it is open. But, um, but yeah, man. Great having you here. Thank you for having me.